Hey guys, we're back again for part two of our discussion on masculine energy and feminine energy. So if you're just picking up on this episode, this is the first time you're listening. Last week, we had a fiery discussion at tense at times, talk about feminine energy based off of a podcast and some information that we'd recently started to do some diving into. So this part, we're talking about masculine energy. So last week, Steph and I had both listened to a portion of one of the podcasts that we had discovered that was talking about this. This week, we're coming back to you after having both listened to both portions of it, and we're going to talk about it and dissect it a little bit. Did I miss anything? Dissect, dissect. All right. Nope. Okay. <laughs> so the main thing and my one of my main frustrations with this thought process and this belief system is that um, the person who is a feminine energy coach that was on the podcast that we listened to had talked about how for women to show up in their feminine energy, they need to lead with their heart. And that it's all, she said, it's body and it's heart. And that's what they need to do. You need to move very slowly and kind of like sensually in a sense. And then also you need to kind of be incredibly open, um, potentially detrimentally so, I think, based off of some of the examples that she had shared. Last week during our conversation, we didn't have, hadn't spent time like looking into like scripturally, is this foundationally sound, theologically sound? Is this what God requires of us um, and is looking for us and expecting from us? Based off of the fact that we are to be slow to the point of sensual, sensual in the sense of trying to potentially seduce somebody, regardless of whether the outcome is to actually engage in a sexual intimacy relationship with them, that's still a portion of it. But then also just to be very open and transparent, I think that we can say no, it is not biblically sound. Because Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You cannot show up in an encounter with someone that you're just getting to know and allow the contents of your heart, good, bad, or indifferent, to spill out and overflow without knowing if they are trustworthy to be able to hold that. Because then you're getting into a dynamic or a situation where if that person still does say, thank you so much for being feminine, extra feminine and having feminine energy and showing up in this space, you potentially could have allowed yourself to form a one-sided connection with someone who hasn't even proven themselves worthy to hold the weight and the significance of who you are in that sense. So I think based off of that, no, it is not God's design. I also still think it's very incredibly strange and it still makes me very angry that people significantly <laughs> buy into this as a way to get what they want at the end of the day. When realistically, like if you think about they're doing it to get what they want at the end of the day, but are you actually being yourself? Is that person falling in love with you because you are being you? Or is that person falling in love with you because of the act that you're performing to get them to fall in love with you? Right. I think that's the it's a hard question. I think that's the basis of everything. Which then how can you even know that you're truly loved if you know that you aren't being authentic in who you are when they grew to love you? Also that's still valid. There's always I I mean I don't know if that's how everyone thinks. How I think I would be fully concerned about that for the entire my entire life, that entire relationship. Like are did you fall in love with me because I tried to be this soft, like open individual that was slow to speak and 
was trying to seduce you or (laughs) like, (laughs) did you fall in love with me because I, my mouth works faster than my brain sometimes. And I say things that make people laugh that really aren't appropriate in the moment, but, but they're funny. Exactly. Anyone who knows me is like, oh, yeah, that one time. <laughs> Remember that one time? And and I say it all the time. I tried to stop. I really did. There's always a hesitation. I think that brings a valid question and concern of, of what version are they falling in love with? And then if this relationship is one that leads to a significant duration or potentially marriage, Is the relationship built on a solid foundation that when things start to go crazy and and nothing significant, right? Life is still messy. Life is still challenging. Life is still hard. Even when you are married, it doesn't change any of that. You just now have someone that is by your side committed to fighting through the hard with you. And so if you are choosing to not challenge or to not ask questions or to not kind of give some pushback if someone's leading in a direction that you know in that moment is not going to end well. Well, the whole idea behind masculine and feminine energy is that a woman is not supposed to give pushback. She's not supposed to try to solve the problem. And to some extent, I agree with that, right? Like there are some components of this thought process and this school of thought that I, I think are rooted in an essence of truth. I don't think that it is 100% all bad. But I think for someone to align their entire life and all their decisions in a relationship based off of the fact that they're not going to kind of give feedback, they're not going to push back, they're not going to think through things, that that is the part where it gets concerning and confusing. Among the the whole aspect of, you know, you're not a man's mom, like they said that multiple times. And based off of what I read, like that's a common theme, like you're not a man's mom. So I'm not going to serve him. I'm not going to, he's a narcissist. If he wants me to do things like that, he's a narcissist. If he, and no, the end of the day, that's not what that means. If you are in a relationship with someone and you guys have established that there are just certain relationship norms that you are going to subscribe to and some that you are not, that's great. Do not, you don't have to change what you're doing based off of oh, now there's this new thing that's very popular now. People are saying feminine energy and masculine and what does that look like and how do I move forward with that? But it gets very concerning if one of the examples that was given was someone had shared that they were out on a date with a guy. They knew the guy was lost and going in the wrong direction. And they did not (laughs) say to him, hey, you're going in the wrong way. They proceeded then to get lost with him. And then when he mentioned it, the response wasn't, yeah, you know what? I think you didn't miss a turn. That's okay. I think if we go down this road, we can get right back in the right direction or whatever. There was nothing of that. It was, I trust you to be able to get us out of this. Okay. that That's great. Okay. So, so I, I, I get that there is this, you know, you want the man to take charge and you want to make him feel like he's respected and he's, he's able to take care of you and protect you. That makes sense. However, we're also designed to be the helper, which means that if you see something, you say something. Right. Like, in my mind, something like that, you're just making the situation worse. You're going to be late to wherever you're going. Like, 
in that moment, I think it's more the way that you you say what you say than the the words of because you know we always have this attitude. Females come off with attitude a lot more than we think we do. I agree. I agree. Like you can say it very nicely and respectfully. Hey, I think you missed that turn. Or you could be like, oh, my God, what an idiot. Why would you not turn there? You're supposed to turn there. Like, there, there's that, like, you know, the differing of respect level right. where he can still feel loved and supported and respected. And, and we still don't feel get like lost. he's a man and he's taking care of you. And we still don't get lost because you spoke. Right. Up. And I do, I do. I agree with you. I think that there is a way to say certain things, how to respond, how to react in a way that is saying, Hey, uh, maybe we missed a term. Maybe we didn't without questioning someone else's intelligence, because I, that can that's very easily done. Sometimes it's intentional, and if it's intentional, well, you should probably stop that because that's rude. Like that's just mean and rude. But if it's not mm-hmm. intentional and someone brings it to your attention, it's very easily corrected. If I'm in a car with someone and we're going somewhere, and I know that they're lost, or it appears that they're lost because they're going in a direction I've never gone before. Maybe they know a shortcut. Maybe they know a secret way, like a variety of different things. My first question is not going to be, hey, are you lost? My first statement might be, oh, I've never gone this way before. Is this a shortcut? Or like, I'm asking questions or at least making a statement yeah. in a general way that's not like, oh my gosh, you're so stupid. Why would attacking. you do this or attacking? Yeah. And so I think there is a way that women at times can communicate that is not productive, that is not supportive, that is not encouraging, that is not life-giving. A hundred percent, hands down, I can agree with that. I don't think that we can say that it's masculine energy because that happens. I think all all of these things lead back to there potentially was a situation or something that occurred or they were raised in a certain way to say things a certain way to make sure that they're always taken care of or provided for or they're or people know that they're not ones that can be walked all over or whatever the situation is that causes them to react and respond that way. But I don't think that we can just automatically say and assume that it has to be masculine energy or it's feminine energy. I think we can just look at a situation and go, wow, a little rough around the edges there, huh? Got some feelings you need to talk about. You should go talk about them or figure (laughs) that out. There's There's a way to approach it and handle it. I think that it's not as challenging at times as communication can come across. A lot of what, in listening to the masculine energy and listening to the feminine energy, a lot of what I heard from my lens and my perspective comes down to honoring people's love languages, honoring the support that people are identifying, communicating that they need to thrive in certain situations and environments and communicating as such. I don't think it always has to do with feminine energy, masculine energy. I think it can just be are you being kind and courteous and supportive? Are you being intentional with your words? Or are you just shooting off at the mouth out of anger and frustration and just saying the first thing that comes to your mind or wanting to respond and react a certain way without taking into consideration all the components and factors that are involved in that? Yeah, I mean, you also like mentioned before, like the, the serving thing that they talked about was mm. like, and I think all those things you just said is is a way that you serve somebody. Yes. Like, I know this is your love language, so I'm going to show you I love you by using that love language towards yes. you. Because, like, even for us, like, on a friendship level, you serve one another. All the like, time. 
I have a friend who her love language is the farthest thing from physical touch, but she knows one of my main is physical touch. And so she will hug me every time. That's nice. Like, I know, right? We're getting there. We're getting there. But it's like, even like for me, like for instance, I'm a zero percent words of affirmation. You are. You are. Last time I took that test, I had a zero. Like, words mean absolutely nothing to me. But you love words. So, like, for me to communicate and try to show you I love you by by touching you, you're going to be like, ew, that's gross. Get off me. Because you're not a physical touch person. <laughs> that's not that's not going to be but, my response. But I'm going to be like, are you okay? Are you struggling, right? Like, what is happening? I know, are you I know. in crisis? That's I know. Fine. You're probably... You're going to assume something's wrong with me. (laughs) I understand that. But, like, for me to give you words of affirmation, that's how you receive love. Yes. So it makes sense. Yes. And I think that there's just this this thing of service. Like, it's not a man serving you 100% and then you do nothing. Like, it has to be both ways. Right. You serve each other the same way that, if you've been with the kids all day and he comes home from work and he had a bad day, like, yeah, you've been with the kids all day, but suck it up. Like, just do something for him. Bring his spirits up because that's what we're there for is to help each other. And you can't help one another if you don't serve one another. I agree. I agree. And I think that was what that was the most for me in listening to the discussion frustrating yes about masculine energy <laughs> that was the most frustrating thing because the common phrase was if a man wants to be served then he's a narcissist if a man wants to be served then he's a narcissist no that's not the case now are there some components and some aspects of it where if it starts to be constant and 100% unrelenting around certain aspects of a relationship that you can say this is unhealthy 100% hands down I also don't know that we could say that it was narcissism either, depending on what it is. But one, like, yes, you can say that it is unhealthy, but there are certain components of it where women tend to be more nurturing with certain things they want to take care of, they want to love, and they want to do a lot of things. And so, in listening to that, and mm-hmm. then saying feminine energy is supposed to be gentle and kind, and it's all about body and it's all about heart and all these different things, but also we draw the line at you don't serve. You don't serve. You don't do this things. Yeah. Or you're nurturing, but up to you're an nurturing, extent. But you don't serve, right? And so it's well. How does how does that work? Because they, I agree with you. Like they do blend into each other, but also I'm not sure where it becomes mothering. To an extent, I can see that. Like if it's you're doing constantly for him and he's never doing anything for himself, I can say okay. So well, what? How is this equal on some levels? But I also think that there is some level where it it, it shouldn't have to be. I think it's more about the consistency of it. Like, for instance, your mom makes your plate growing up. Making Me making my man a plate every single night is not going to happen. But if he's tired one night and he's just like sitting there, you know what? S- stay sitting, relax. Let me get your plate for you. Like, it's Can more I? of a, I think the, the motherly side of stuff I think is more about the consistency and doing it to where they expect you to do it. Yeah. Whereas if you're serving somebody, it's like they're not really 
they may not be expecting it. Can I? So they're going to be more thankful for my it. My mom makes my dad's plate and cooks dinner for him almost every night. Like she recently just stopped because they're like kind of both retired. She works part time, but she's essentially retired. My dad's retired. He also works part time now. So I guess, <laughs> okay. They're retired from their main careers, but they do some part time yes. work out in the world and in the communities, right? She's still like that. She, every time I'm over their house and I'm there quite frequently, especially during the summer, every time I'm there and she's like, oh, like, hey, Ron, like I'm, I'm about to make, make plates for dinner. Are you ready to eat now? Or do you want to eat later? If you want to eat later, that's fine. Like I'll make your plate. I'll put it in the microwave, but I'm going to eat now. Like the, it, it still happens. It blows my mind. Yeah. They've been married for a mazillion years and she still makes his plate. Like that is my dad is the farthest thing from a narcissist. Like the farthest no. thing. He is the most selfless person. But that is how like she serves him in that capacity. Now, I'm not going to say she does it 100% of the time, right? Cuz there are some times where she's like, I'm going to be yeah. out with friends for dinner. You guys are on your own for dinner. Like she even said that for like us growing up, but like when it when she is home and there is nothing else going on, no large event and she hasn't had like a catastrophic day at work, she makes his plate and she makes him dinner. But I think that's like a, that's a cultural thing. I agree. Thing I do think, I do think it's that like, component is I, specifically I think cultural. especially like in this generation, like it's very, I don't know that I've ever been to a cookout where the female did not make the man's plate. In terms As in of, she did every single time. In terms of when I go to a cookout that is mostly white people. They all get their own plate. <gasps> even at cookouts, like, it happens. Like my, even at barbecues and cookouts, but, my mom will still make my dad's like, plate. Yeah, and that's how it is, though. Like, it is. It, there's I mean, no. Like, <laughs> I celebrated Cinco de Mayo, and I didn't even make my own yes. plate. Yes. Yes. Because mom, mom of the group, you know, like she made everybody's plates, but she made her husband's plate first. first. Always first. Always first. Husband's plate, then guest plate, and her plate last. Every single time. Every single time. And I'm thinking through it's, even my... It's a cult. I think it's more of a cultural thing. Even my two friends that are, like, my two of my closest friends that are married, that I, like, have known... One I've known forever. The other one, she and I met at work, and but we're, like, amazing friends. I love them to death. They, they make plates for their husbands, and, like, they cook for their husbands. Like, it, it's just... Yeah. But it's not... They're not narcissists. Their husbands aren't narcissists. No. It is. Th- it's I just think, a way of I think of the serving. narcissist comment, I feel like the narcissist comment came from in something that that woman experienced with narcissism or she connected it to narcissism. And she was like, that man hurt me because he was a narcissist and I did this. So therefore, anyone who... Is like that is now a narcissist, which that would make I think sense it, because I think her statement, her statement about if you are a man and you enjoy a female serving you, you are a narcissist. I think that's just unhealed trauma in her life. I would I would agree with that because even right now, like I'm looking at the the Webster de- definition of nar- of a narcissist. It is an extremely self-centered person who has an exaggerated sense of self-importance. There's nothing in there about if you enjoy people serving you. No. No, there's nothing about that. There's nothing about that at all. 
I think at some at some level, every single person enjoys when someone serves them. Yes. Like, even if your love language isn't acts of service, there's still that idea of, okay, that person is giving up time, that person's giving up energy, that person's giving up resources, whatever it is, to serve me. Who doesn't like that? Right. Who do- who doesn't? But I don't think, yeah. And that was like a repeated phrase. And that, I mean, you know, even last week, like ever, as I was listening and, and doing some more research, that was the thing that ground my gears the most. I was like, how? No. Just because you serve someone. And then some of the things that I felt like she was humble bragging about were not things that you should ever want to humble brag about. Of like, I don't oh, give my. You mean like, like she's married now? Nah. When she's, she's like, I don't give yeah, my husband a massage. She's never given, never given her husband a massage. They've been together for four and a half years, married for two. He gives her a massage almost every day, and she says, "I've never given him one." But I mean, if he he could ask me for one, or he could pay to go get one. Everything about <laughs> that statement, I knew, is so selfish. I heard. The moment I heard that statement, I was like, Brittany's going to be so upset about this. Everything about that statement, like, infuriated me because if that is... But that goes back to the serving thing. She doesn't want to serve him. If that is the dynamic in you all's relationship, that is totally fine. I am not judging that. If you all have pre-established that, that works for you, that's a system and rhythm that works for you all, you both feel loved and supported by that. I don't see anything wrong with that. My issue is that you're taking your experience and sharing that with people that are listening to it and thinking, potentially someone who might be single and they're thinking, okay, maybe I'm going to try this masculine energy, feminine energy thing to see if that helps me get into a relationship because that's what I'm, I'm desiring. That's what I'm looking for. They're going to hear that and think that that's how it's supposed to be if it starts to work for them. Like if it's it's something that's going to work. It's not an end all. No. It's like, okay, hey, this helped us. Of course, we also talked about the fact that like, all right, you've been married for two years. I'd love to see where you're at in 10 years. Right. Like. I also would love to see. Which makes sense. But I think there's something to, everyone has a unique story. Right. Everyone has space to share their story. But no one should have a platform where people are just continuously listening and not going back to scriptures and saying, how does this look in the Bible? Right. I agree. Because when you look in the Bible, everything is about serving one another. The whole thing. The whole thing. I'm sorry. So how, I don't, how do we not, no, females don't serve the man because then you're acting in masculine energy. Like what? What? But also, like the energies are all just characteristics, so it's fine. Like, but but also, what? We're not going to serve people, okay? That's, that's now. I'm not going to hold non-believers to the same standard that I believe that we as Christians should follow. Because you, you, you potentially either don't know, you haven't been exposed to it, you haven't experienced it, and or I, I can't in good conscience stand here and say that you should live based off of how I live when I have access yes. to the creator. You do too, you just don't just know about it. Just because it's my belief doesn't mean that I'm going to force my right. belief 
onto you so that you have to believe right. what I What believe. I love for you to have an experience and a dramatic encounter with God that transforms your life from the inside out. Hands down, 100% of the time. I always, I like, that is my, that is my thing. Like, I, I sometimes. That should be everyone's yes, thing. Though. It should be. Not, it, the focus should be God touching someone Every life. single time. Someone experiencing God in a tangible yes. way. Not, you need to change this, you need right. to change that, you need to do all these things. No, it's just simply, hey, let God change you. And and just it's heart change and then outward change. And just the fact that, I don't, the, just the, it was the serving piece that, that caught me off guard. And, and then when she said it, you know, lead with your heart, it's all heart, it's all body. And I was like, lead those, are, with your those are direct contradictions to what God says to do. And that also leads to very unhealthy dynamics in relationships. I'm not going to bear my soul to you and tell you every little itty gritty thing and the messiness that, that I've had to wrestle through to get to where I'm at emotionally, spiritually, physically, all of those things to someone that hasn't committed to being here for the long haul. It's just not a healthy rhythm. Cause then potentially let's say you, you date somebody for three months and you, you overshare because we have people who are oversharers or emotionally detonate themselves <laughs> in, a, in an environment. Okay. And then that doesn't work out. And then three months later, you're doing the exact same thing. Well, now you have a string of people that you have shared some things with them that you potentially, not potentially, that you should not have shared to some regard, depending on what it is, that you should not have shared. And that's just messy. I think that's messy. It's very messy. It's, it's messy. So I stand by my statement from last week of, I do not support this. I do not believe in it. Do I think that there are some realistic components and aspects to that? Yes. And like we talked about last, our last episode is yes, there absolutely are. There are some components and some things that are involved or have some component and some things to do with, you know, not showing how, up and how you, speak. Who, how you speak, yeah. how you show up. I do think that there is some truth to that of if you are the type of person who has a very demanding job and you're responsible for being in go mode all the time or being the boss or being the person who manages and oversees all those things, you should not show up that way on a date. So I do agree with that. I do agree with that. But in terms of making this transformational life aspect and doing a lot of things, it's, it's crazy. But I also think in extremes. So when she was talking about <laughs> the person, I know, right? Yeah, you do. Surprise, right? Surprise. <laughs> but when she was talking about the person who was in the car and she didn't want to give him directions, even though she knew they were lost or ask any questions about it, she just went along. And then when he mentioned that they were lost, she said, but I believe in you to get us right. There are so many things in my mind where if you're married in a relationship, let's say you have a child, or let's just say you're in a committed relationship with someone and you have a child and you guys are living together or whatever the dynamic is. And you go to the doctor and you take the child to the doctor and you find out that the child has an allergy to something. And you go home, you guys work through it as a family, you talk through it and he knows, but then he potentially forgets. And so he's going to go serve the child something that they're allergic to because he potentially could have forgotten. Are you not going to tell him? No, don't do that. You're going to let him do that. And then when the kid starts to have a physical reaction to what they just consumed, are you going to say, but I trust you to figure it out? Because in my mind, these small little decisions and these small little things that we do in the beginning set up for how we are going to react and respond when bigger things happen. I would 100% hope that that would not be the case. But 
if that is the mentality and the mindset that you have trained yourself to respond to, and I'm not talking like a significant anaphylactic shock, I'm talking about highs start to show up or different, like little, little indications that, yeah, I knew that little Susie or little Johnny was allergic to that, but I let you do that because I didn't want to be masculine. I was going to let you lead. I'm going to be soft and feminine, but also now I trust you to figure this out. But how are you going to figure it out? But I'm also not going to like, it's, it's too dangerous. Also, if, and if that's the case, then why do people talk about mama bear? Like, oh, don't make the bear come out. You mess with my child. You mess with me. Like, clearly there's an aspect of protection that's different in the mother than in the father. But I will say this much. From the situations and environments that I've been in where mama bear has been a term that's been used, whether jokingly or not, the dad has never been there for that. Yeah. And so it could be, Which is why. it could be a woman reacting, responding to another man because she feels like her child was, was wrong in some capacity, but the dad has never been there for that. And for me, it, I, once again, I don't, we can just say it's a mom defending her child because the child needs to be defended. I don't think we have to con- refer a woman to a, a very large animal. I think, I think it's, it's safe to just say parents. Like, no, this parent is upset. We must have done something wrong. What did we do wrong? It, that's simple. <laughs> it's, it's a simple thought process in my mind. It's a simple thought process. However, I say all that to say, look, that my mom refers to me as the bulldog of the family. And so I, I know that I can get pretty riled up and, and aggressive if need be. I appreciate that. Somebody though. needs to be defended. I'm there. You don't even got to give me all the information. You say somebody was offended. Okay, I'm on my way. Sometimes they don't tell me information because of that. And it's appropriate. Because <laughs> then they'll tell me afterwards. <laughs> like, they'll even tell me after the situation. And they were like, we did not, we specifically did not tell you this, Brittany, because we knew how you were going to react and respond. And I always, yes. I always think better of myself in that moment. I'm like, guys, I've matured. I've grown up. Go ahead and tell me. I'm not going to respond. And as soon as they start telling and the story starts to derail, mm-hmm. I'm like, no, yeah, yeah. And then they're just like, see, that's right there, right there. No, no, no. See? self-fulfilling prophecy y'all shouldn't have said it and i would have responded that way you should just tell me the story to begin with <laughs> it's always it's never yeah, accurate okay. it's right it's never accurate so i do think there is something in women that goes into protector mode but i think there's something in in, in parents in general that they go into protector mode i don't think that every relationship has the right to decide how the roles are going to serve for each other and how it's going to work they have to. Because realistically, there's not like a set. The man needs to be like this and the woman needs like to be like this in order for y'all to get together and be married and be successful. Nope. Like. If it works for y'all, it works for y'all. Growing up, my, my household growing up was the complete opposite of most families. Like my dad did the cooking and the laundry. He still does. Aww. Like. And if something was broken and needed to be fixed, that was my mom. Like, which is part of the reason I think that I have such a plethora of uh, options and skill sets because, like, I learned from both of them. Like, I would sit, I would sit on the kitchen counter and watch my dad cook and taste test things with him, like, as a kid. Mm But then I also was like, my mom needed hands to help install a window or, you know, to put flooring down. So, like, 
it's just for a lot of people, it's like, what did you get your dad on Father's Day? And I'd be like, oh, I got him this cooking thing, you know? Right. <laughs> They'd be like, what? Why? Or like Mother's Day. And I'd be like, oh, I we we bought my mom a new, you know, set of drills or whatever it was. But it was always the opposite of what people expect. Let me ask this question. Who was the disciplinarian in your family? Like the main person that everybody feared having to find out if you or your siblings did something wrong? A hundred percent my mom. Really? Like, oh yeah, we had a, we had a ping pong paddle. Oh, and that was, that's how we got beat as a kid. Unless it was too far away. That was in the kitchen. So unless it was too far away, if it was too far away, then it was whatever we could be hit with. Like, but I will say, my dad, I feel like I only remember him ever spanking me once. Mm. And most of the time, he would take us to a bedroom and be like, on the count of three, scream. So that my mother <laughs> thinks I hit you. So your mother thinks that I hit you. I love it. <laughs> my dad My dad is always the the picture of grace and mercy. Um, you know, like most people think, oh, my God, you're a pastor's kid. Like, what would your dad do if he found out X, Y, and Z? And I'm like, oh, no, I ain't scared of my dad. I'm scared of my how my mom would react. Like, That's interesting. My, dad's okay. the, my dad's the grace-filled one. She's the one who's like, oh, my God, the world's ending. But you know what? It's my... Now, I say this 100% full disclosure. So my siblings could listen to this and say that I'm completely wrong. And if they do, I'll, I'll just provide that little update on our next episode. <laughs> I never got spanked ever. And I only ever remember being on punishment one time. And the one time that I was on punishment, I was... That's why you're the favorite. Twice. I got put on punishment twice. The one time was because my siblings and I were arguing over who was going to watch TV. And my mom had company and she told us not to make a noise. And it, it just didn't work out that way. Um, and so we weren't allowed to watch TV for a little bit. So I remember that time. <clears throat> And then one time when I was a teenager, I don't know why I threw an, an like a legit tantrum as a teenager for the m- most part. It was like a full-blown tantrum in the middle of the mall. And my mom was like, yeah, you can't go to the mall for a long time. And I was like, what? And I wasn't allowed to go to the mall for like a month. <laughs> I was, I was, yes, clearly friend. I was scarred by that, right? Because I'm like 16 years old, 15, 16 years old. And I still vib- vividly remember it. Like I remember where we were at in the mm-hmm. mall. I remember what, like I still vividly remember it, but other than that, I've not. Now, I will say this much. I've always had a smart mouth. Like, it, I've always had a smart mouth. And I've always been a little bit of an instigator. Now, I'm full-blown an instigator now, right? I'm not. There's no denying it. <laughs> I, it, it is, I, it's a thing. But I've always been a little bit of an instigator. But I never particularly got in trouble. But my mom was the one that I remember that always spanked my siblings. My dad always wanted to sit down and have a conversation and talk about it. And he would have the worst analogies. So nobody would ever want dad to find out about it because he was going to sit down and talk to you about it. He was going to talk about how you got there. Why that was your thought process. And he would give analogies that would make no sense and had no correlation whatsoever to what you did that was wrong and what you should have done differently. And he would just throw them out there and be like, what? I'll never forget one time, one of my siblings, I think it was my older brother, got in trouble for something. And I was like sitting on the steps listening to my dad, like give him this lecture. And my dad just all of a sudden started talking about, but if there were chickens, what would you do? And I was like, what? He got in trouble because he didn't clean his room or do the dishes. What does that have to do with chickens? 
we live in the middle of the city. There are no chickens. What is going on? So he always had, that was always his thing. He just, he just, he always had different things. But my mom was like the main disciplinarian. Yeah. So that's interesting. My dad's always the grace filled one. Like, which is good. I I have lots of stories, but then I'd be putting other people on blast. Okay, so. we don't need to do that. We need to protect everybody's identities. <laughs> but I not on, not on the podcast. I'll tell you personally. Okay, that sounds great. I'm looking forward to that conversation. <gasps> but I I think of course you already know some of them. I think that there is a. I think that there's. But a I think balance. there is normally that one person who takes. Okay, I'm gonna be the one that disciplines. Right. I feel like in almost every parenting. In every couple, there's that one parent yes. that disciplines me. And let me tell you, my mom is the farthest thing from masculine, but based off of how they describe masculine energy, my mom would be the one that shows up in masculine energy. And she's the farthest thing from it. That woman just started pumping her own gas, probably like two days ago. <laughs> All right, two days ago is an, is an exaggeration. Look at them serving one another. Right. Two Two days ago is an exaggeration, but she very recently, within the past five years, I would say she probably just started pumping her own gas and she doesn't do it all the time. Sometimes she will still tell my dad, Hey, I need gas. And he's like, all right. And he'll take her car to the gas station, put gas in it and park it right back where she left it. And like, that's just, they have a system that works. And so she's not feminine. Yeah. My dad is not feminine by a long shot, but he tends to be the, the more patient one at times. He was better my, actually, we were just talking about this the other day when I was with my parents. Ron, Ron is nurturing too. Hundred percent, he is. He was, according to my siblings, and technically that's a feminine, that's a feminine tra- trait. He's not feminine at all. But he, according to my siblings and from their perspective, my dad was a much better parent to teenagers, and my mom did better with the little children. Hmm. I. That makes sense. I felt like they were both great at both of those stages. That's because you're the favorite. You're going to think that. But also, I just... You're the favorite. No, I'm not... You've always been the wait, favorite. Wait, hold on. But just for clarification, I am Ron's favorite. I am not Fran's favorite. TJ is Fran's favorite. Poor James and Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I have a comment, but I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> TJ is Fran's favorite. And that, like, hands down, we argue... We argue that to, to we're all blue in the face. And Fran's always like, he's not my favorite. He's not my favorite. When you guys become parents, you'll understand. But anytime we try to say anything about TJ, she was like, let me explain why he did that. Or let me give you some insight as to why. And it could be the dumbest thing. She always comes to his defense. A hundred percent of the time. Because, just because she, TJ is her favorite doesn't mean that you had, you weren't like the forgotten child for her no which is why you feel like they were both great at both yeah no but i also yeah i like i wasn't a the challenging kid i was probably their least challenging kid which is probably why i've caused them the most issues as an adult with all my health scares and situations because i was like (laughs) i'm gonna give it to you guys easy until i hit 30 (laughs) <laughs> and then all bets off, people. All bets off. <laughs> but it, yeah, they, and none of my, I, I have to say, my parents did a really good job. I don't think any of my siblings, or I would say that we ever felt like the forgotten child or the one that was kind of just like pushed off to the side. 
I don't think that we, any of mm-hmm. us would ever say that. They did a really good job at making sure that everybody had a, felt like they had a place. Everybody was loved. Everybody was cared for. And they know that they played a vital part of our family. And I don't think that they, they ever felt that or experienced that at all. Which kudos to them because that's hard. They have four kids with four drastically different personalities and interests. Kudos to Ron and Fran. Kudos to Ron and Fran. If I had a drink, I would have a drink for you right now, Ron and Fran. Mm-hmm. Let's not do that for Ron, but for Fran, that's cool. <laughs> Ron's been sober for like 40 some odd years. That's why I'm having a drink for him, that's so he true. don't have to have it. That is true. He Okay. He That man... They're good people. They're really good people. I enjoy them as adults. Like, as an adult, I enjoy them. Oh, my God. I do. I'm glad that you enjoy your parents as adults. Thank you. Me too. It was rough for a little bit. But anyway, back on track. I I was curious because I I definitely think this masculine energy and feminine energy is a, a... Obviously, they talked about, like, it being a new age trend. I definitely think it's a new age thing of... Our society being too sensitive to certain things and not sensitive enough about other things that people just feel the need to just recreate definitions and schools of thought to make everybody feel heard and inclusive instead of just saying, can you cut that out and not treat me that way, please? I don't like that. That's not okay. That's not cute. I need you to do better or more of and less than and call it a day. And as a result, we don't want to do that. So we create these new schools of thought and push them in one direction or another and try to pass it off as absolute truth when in all actuality it's not. It's scary out there. It's dangerous out in the world. Out Out among the publics. It's a lot happening. I find it very interesting though that like that first episode when they like said, oh, new age, like it's, it's not a new age thing. It's just energies and energy is science. Tell me, tell me where in the Bible you could back up the fact that this is biblical and not new age. And that is the dangerous experience when we try to take something that is of the world and for the world and manipulate it to be something that is godly when God has not given it his stamp of approval and said, this right here is for y'all. Which is why we should not be spiritual people. We should just be connected to God. Like, if you are listening for oh, God yes. to speak to you, he will speak. Oftentimes, Even when you don't want him to speak, sometimes he be speaking. When I don't want to hear like, it. <laughs> but there's but there's something about this like I'm spiritual but I'm not religious thing that's like happening in our society today. Like even like on dating apps, you where you put religion, like they have mm, you can say mm-hmm. that you're spiritual but not religious. So, like, you're practicing some things, I guess. But I think, like, if you don't have boundaries for your beliefs, then what, how can you say you actually believe something? If all it takes is for a person that you don't really know, their background, their history, who who they are, for them to say one thing and for you to go, okay, they said it, so I believe yeah, it. Yeah, no. that And that's... So it's interesting that you bring that up because I listened to halfway through. I did not finish all of it. During my morning workout, I was listening to a sermon um, by Pastor Mike Todd. He mentioned, I wish I could remember the exact verse, but I'm going to tell you all what it says. And then I'm going to connect it to what we're talking about. 
Um, it's in Revelation where God says that he would much rather someone be hot or cold than to be lukewarm. Because lukewarm, you I don't know where you stand. It's based off any given day. I can't tell what you're for and what you're against because you're kind of just like, eh, I'm going to be laissez-faire in the middle. And I think... Revelation three fifteen and 16. Thank you so much. Yeah, I got you. I think when, like when I was listening to that and hearing that, that resonated with me in a sense of, mm, that's very interesting because that's what God requires of us. He does not want us to be in the middle. He wants us to be all for or not at all. And we struggle and we try to find ways to make it a little bit here and a little bit there. We're going to have our foot a little bit in the world and do a little bit of craziness, but we're going to be God honoring when it suits us, but not a hundred percent of the time. And as I was thinking through and listening to him talk about it and break down that scripture, I thought to myself, that explains why a lot of our relationships as Christians are so messy. Because if we can't Mm. even decide one way or the other, where we stand with our creator, we acknowledge that there is one. We acknowledge that we want to follow him. We want to be in relationship with him. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to what it looks like to other people or how comfortable we feel with walking in that, it's no wonder that our relationships are a mess because that same principle that we take in that yeah. area follows through in other areas. And so we, we're, we're in relationships with people that are potentially not treating us the kindest or that are not holding us accountable in the way that they should. But optics wise, it looks great. It allows us to have a beautifully curated Instagram feed or we're able to talk about all the latest trends and latest things and we're able to go out and do all these things. But at the end of the day, it's an empty relationship. It holds no grounds for significance. And I just it just it causes me to it caused me to think I've been like pondering and, and thinking on that and processing on that all day of I wonder like if we were to do a survey of some sort of the people who are spiritual but not religious what their relationships look like. And if their relationships are kind of like, I haven't been fulfilled in my relationships. Well, that's partially probably because you're not willing to commit a hundred percent and be all in, or yeah. there's something in that relationship that you recognize is not for you, but because it's not for you, but there are other things that you think could be for you. You're kind of lingering around and staying in a space that you don't want to, because the reality of not being in a relationship at all is far too daunting and overwhelming. And that's yeah, scary. It's like that you're creating that safe space because you just don't, you would rather not be alone. So you're with that person as like a plan B, yes. but you're still hoping that there's a plan A out there. And if you are in a relationship hoping for it to be one thing, then you're better off alone. And that is why we do not date potential. We do not date potential. We don't. <laughs> we do not date potential. We do not take potential. And that doesn't mean... You know I had to put that in there. You You set me up for it perfectly. I did it intentionally. That was not my thought process. It just worked out that way. But no, we do not (laughs) take potential because we cannot look at someone and say, you are not in a good spot for me to be in a relationship right now, regardless of wherever you're at. But I see potential in you, so we're going to give it a try because I don't want to lose out on what the potential is. The potential of what you can be is so amazing and so great. I want to be there when it happens. So I'm going to date you and I'm going to get my heart broken and it's going to be messy and I'm going to cry a lot and I'm going to be unfulfilled and I'm going to have all these self negative thoughts and self doubt about myself and my worth and who I am because you're not at a place to handle it. Sweetheart, if he's not at a place to handle it, we don't wait to see when he could be there. If it's meant for you, it will be yours. 
If it's meant for you, it'll be yours once they get there. And that goes for anything. It goes for jobs. It goes for anything. If it's meant for you, if that is the door that you were supposed to walk through or the, the, the business deal or whatever that you are supposed to be aligning yourself with and that you are supposed to be involved in, it will be set up and structured that you have no doubt whatsoever. I will say though, like, so recently, I wish I could remember where I heard this. I think I was on Instagram, but Insta. like a pastor was saying, when you're choosing a spouse or you're choosing someone you want to be in a relationship with, the the number one thing isn't love. The number one thing is when you're going through a hard time and you're going through a dark season, who do you want by your side to be there with you to help yes. get you through that? Yes. And that's how you should pick a spouse <clears throat> is not so much the love, but when you are in that darkest season, is that person going to bring you closer to Jesus? Is that person going to encourage you? Is that person going to carry you? And if it's they're crazy. not, if they're not, then... And if they're okay. not, but they have the potential to, but then you great. better figure out, are they going to do it or are they not? Because if they're not going to do it, I don't want to wait till I'm in that dark season to find out you out here telling me to do the opposite of what God wants. Or, or you don't date the potential because something catastrophic could happen. And then you say you're in a relationship, but you're having your friends come and support you in some dynamic because the person you're in a relationship is not there yet. But he has potential. Great. He can have potential and you can pray for him for a distance and you can choose to cheer him on and you can be his friend in his corner. There is nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But don't be his friend and be in his corner hoping that one day he's going to look up and be like, ah, it clicked and I'm going to do everything that I need to do and then I'm going to choose you. Be in his corner just because you think he's a cool person you want to be in his corner. But not with these hidden motives. No. If it's exhausting. If you got hidden motives though, then your heart ain't pure about what you want. And no. so then you're you're acting in a manipulation of I'm going to do what I think you want me to do yep. so that you fall in love with me or so that you grow and do whatever it is that I want you to do so we can be together. I don't want anybody to fall in love with me because of what I, I want somebody to fall in love with me because they fall in love with me, not because of anything that I did. And I know that sounds strange because there are probably there are things that people do and say that cause somebody to fall in love with them. But I don't want it to be, excuse me, a superficial surface level thing of like, I fell in love with her because she always does my laundry. And I fell in love with her because she showed up when like there was nothing there. And she was, you know, like, I don't know, maybe I'm not communicating it effectively, but I'm, <laughs> I'm just I'm thinking about all the cheesy pickup lines that I, you could possibly think of at this moment. I don't do well pickup lines. I know you don't, but I do. I don't. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love you some do. cheesy pickup lines. My So my mom, <laughs> I don't know why. Lately, everybody in my life has decided that like relationships are, are what I need to be moving towards. Or a relationship is what I should be moving towards. And I, I find it comical. And I just listen to people's thoughts and theories on all the things. My dad was talking. I was at my parents' house. And my dad was like, so what are you looking for in a guy? Like, what are you looking for? And my mom, like, blurted out. She's like, he can't be dumb. And my dad was like, what? That's, that doesn't. Okay, so she's looking for someone who's intelligent. But also, what does that mean? He, like, kind of joked with my mom and said, like, you got there too quickly. Means like that. he can't be dumb. That's what it means. That's what I thought. I thought it was clear. But my mom goes on to rem- remind me of this experience that I had. And I, I don't even remember it. 
But when she, every time she brings it up, I'm like, no, yes, that does. That does grind my gears. That irritates me. But also, yes, that did happen. Where I was like talking to some guy, getting to know him. I don't even know how old I was. I think I was in college. And he had texted me and said, I'm going to call you when my train lands. And I was like, what? Your train? (laughs) When it lands, you're going to call me? And he said, yes. And I said, please don't. There's no, you don't need to call me again. You don't need to, there's no communication that needs to happen. And there was no additional conversation after that. And my mom's, she remind, she remembers that. And she's like, that's, that's the type. Brittany cannot handle those things. No, I cannot handle things like that. Also, I needed him to understand that that made no sense, which is why I repeated it back. You're going to call me when your train lands. Trains don't go in the air. They, they stay on the ground or tracks or something. And it, it just, Look, maybe he had been traveling a lot and he was tired. Hmm. Like, that could happen. That is. I know I say a lot of stupid, dumb things when I'm tired. Listen, I say a lot of crazy things when I'm tired and I'm exhausted. And also when I'm just waking up. That is the worst time. Please don't ask me anything deep or philosophical. Do not ask me to make sense of anything. I'm just not of, I'm not of good use at that point. But I feel like we should know the difference between a train and a plane. But maybe we don't. I don't know. I also never had any additional conversation to know whether or not he was on an actual train or if he was getting on a plane. He was not that tired from what I remember. But, you know. Clearly, clearly it. he wasn't the one because he ain't here. <laughs> so it's fine. Although you probably really hurt his feelings. Don't call me again. I mean, I didn't say it like you're, that. You're the one. You're the one who got away. I tend to be I tend to be gentle. I hate hurt pe- people's feelings. So somebody, if I feel like it's a situation, you are. I feel like you are very much gentle until you're like, oh no, you're not going to listen if I'm gentle. Yes, a hundred percent of the time. Yes, I I am gentle, and I will slow walk a conversation or slow, whatever needs to happen until I realize that oh, you just need me to be blunt and honest with you and a little aggressive. That's fine. I'll give that to you. <laughs> Otherwise, I tend, I try to be, I try to be, I try to be, I try to be very nurturing, but masculine energy and feminine energy, it's not a go. It's not the a go. The energies, they fail. It's not a go. The test. It's not a go. But also another. Is that sign- right though? I will continue to um, text you and be like, I'm going to work in my feminine energy today oh, and a lot and ask a man to help me. Because apparently that's feminine energy. Also, listen, asking a man to help you, like we discussed last week, is not a bad thing to do that. Please just don't text me and tell me you're operating in feminine energy. <laughs> you know that's going to... It's setting me off. Like, I'm, I'm on the inside. I'm like, why is she doing this to me right now? She should know that that's not mm-hmm. how... Her work is not decided on that. Like, in my mind, I'm running through this monologue Look, very aggressively to, because I'm like, I was gentle in telling her. Ah. To all our listeners, I'm attempting to put a pool up. So if you have a truck or if you want to, you know, get really hot in the Virginia sun, let me know. I will allow you to come serve me by helping me put my pool up. I would just like to point this out here. I I, I don't think there's anything wrong with what you just said. You're attempting (laughs) to try to put a pool up by July 1st. I know. <laughs> this episode is not going to post. This episode's going to be up after, hopefully. It's going to be after That's that. The plan. So for people who love to serve, you're giving them 
false hope that they could do something, but that's okay. It's it's fine. Very it's few okay. people. Yeah. Especially after you, you made your dad take the photo down. It's true. <laughs> it's true. No, no to everybody out in the world. Do not post a photo of your daughter's house with the with the number on the house, Mm-mm. and then tell people what street she's on, because you just gave them her address, and I don't need one of your sixteen hundred friends just knocking on my door randomly saying, "Hey, I came to visit for a week." Right. Because we do not. Because if do not you need that, if you know where I grew up, you know that would happen. I wouldn't even answer the door. I would look out the window and be like, I'm not home. (laughs) Look, I don't answer the door now. That's what I got a ring camera for. I could just, I just stay away from the door and the windows, check my phone and say, do I want to talk to that person? Do I not want to talk to that person? Sometimes I only talk to them through the camera. That's always fun because no one's ever prepared to hear a voice come through that camera. That is terrifying. (laughs) That is terrifying. I was at my dad. I was at my parents' house last night. My dad, he was headed out to a meeting at his church last night. And he said, hey, someone stole something off the neighbor's porch. And they caught it on their ring camera. And I just mm. looked at him and I said, oh, okay. And he's like, all right, got to go by. No additional context or information. No. Did you guys find the person who did it? Was the item returned? Was it from Amazon? Did she get, like, nothing. It was just, hey, this happened. Thank you for sharing. He's like, no problem. Okay, bye. <laughs> Look, but that's like an old people thing. Like when you have a ring camera, you're on that like neighborhood app where you can see what other people will like post things. I cannot tell you how many times people post a video. Hey, do you know this person? They stole this off my porch. <gasps> no. Or hey, do you know this person? It looked like they were trying to get into my house. They they did they don't I don't think they're a part of an app or a community. I think they just they're it's like y'all they just, just ever call the cops and say, Hey, suspicious activity. Can I send you this video in case someone ever you know? <laughs> did I tell you the time my mom's car got broken into recently? No. <laughs> but we should probably this is the last door and then we gotta call it. No, I agree. This is episode this has nothing again. to do with anything. Um, I was recovering from surgery and she she was working. So her and my dad were splitting time between my house and, and home. And she was telling about it. She's like, man, somebody broke into my car. And I said, wow, what did they take? She was like, absolutely nothing. What? How did you know they didn't take anything then? And she said, my fruit snacks were still in the backseat of the car and my homeschool stickers and all that stuff. And I said, oh, man, that sucks. And she was really upset. And I said, Mom, you're upset. I'm concerned about the person who broke into your car. Because what happens if they broke into your car and it was supposed to be like an initiation of some sort? They failed. <laughs> they got in the car and they were just like, all this lady has is homeschool stickers and fruit snacks. That's not good for anything. She was very sad. And then she decided she was going to try to make her car more cool looking. I don't know why. She didn't, though. I now understand your, why you always travel with snacks. Oh, I always travel with snacks. No, that story does not help that because my mom works at a daycare center with kindergarten or pre-kindergarten children. So it makes sense that she has snacks. I just always have snacks because... Yeah, but most of the time people leave the snacks where they're working and not like leave them in their car where it's hot and they're driving back and forth. I keep snacks in my backpack and my my snacks are everywhere. People know. At work, people know there's a snack drawer and they know where the snack drawer is. If you need a snack, just go open my drawer. There's snacks in there. 
Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Now I know what. It makes so much sense. I also have snacks in my car, though. Time to replenish. Anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening to us debunk masculine energy and feminine energy from a biblical perspective. There was only yes. one verse that and was I needed mean, to say it was not sound. And so that's cool. But realistically, there are more. So, if Oh, yes, you there are more. want us to give you all of the details, we got you. Just hit us up on Instagram. Instagram. And I say hit us up, but really you're going to hit Brittany up. <laughs> I don't have anything to say in this moment because everything that I would say is not the kindest. So <laughs> that's accurate. But all it's, right. Peace it's not out, as y'all. If, it's not as if Steph doesn't have a login information to all the things. But anyway, so talk to you guys later. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Oh, my God.